0: music
1: hello and welcome to Fallout Podcast episode 95. I walked right west round Wakefield Jail. It's a futile fall showdown, aka just a tip. It's a it's futile fall showdown. All 525 songs going head to head. But now in round two, Ultimate Shakedown. Round two, two eras, 77 to 93, 94 to 17. Round two, thank you to Annotated Fall, Few, Reformation Site, Oh, Brother Puritans Falling Fives, and All Them What Fall. Tonight, Fantastic Life versus Fit and Working Again, Tempo House versus Bad News Girl, and City Dweller versus Pine Leaves. But joined as always by Pip Billy William Rugby, Mandrake Anthrax. How are you doing, Pippin?
0: Well, ours is not to look back, ours is to continue the crack. I'm very good. Exactly.
1: Ours is not. Just do it and die for God's sake. Pemberton S. Walker. 18 months for espionage.
2: Uh not long enough, if you ask me. Oh,
1: not a, It's not a word, it's a sentence. <laughs> it is true. And well um Lord, Lord Sagely Temple, how are you doing?
3: Mm, good. Good. More crack, please.
1: Exactly. Who's got it? And the words tiny, 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 these days? He's scratched through with his nails. Mm, on the whiteboard. And the curly wordly of Treebeards O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> with permanent marker. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Treebeards O'Shaughnessy. Patreon chippings from Leon Jumblesay and Michael Ian and Max W. probably. But first, I've known a futures and past for a while because. <laughs> we had so many guests so many bloody detours and, and uh sidelines and all that. But I'm gonna do one um for you now. I will take up the mantle. And we're gonna look at it Itali- what what Marky Smith described as Italian rave when he was asked in a uh, interview back in the eighties with I think Wire magazine, he said it's got a lot of guts to it. It's what the fallen Italian rave sure is that technology should be used to make music heavier. That's what I try to do. But Italio Rave came out of a genre called Italo Disco, late 70s, high energy um electronic drums, drum machine synthesizers. It's your it's your Giorgio Moroda kind of stuff, but the cheaper end of them. Um It faded in the early 90s, but kind of split and became Italo House, which Smith's kind of referring to when he says Italo Disco, uh, Italo Rave. He really means uh, what they call Italo House, which um, I'll play a bit more, uh, a bit of that later. But let's start with having a little bit of a listen to some Italo Disco. You're going to put Never
0: Ending Story
1: on? Well, Lamar played his part in this, um, but um, unfortunately, I couldn't find a strong Wigan connection. (laughs)
4: <laughs> oh, <wow.
3: laughs> like, sorry Karina. <laughs>
4: And no. no. no.
1: a bit in this that i was talking earlier in the bunker that i think it sounds like a fall song and uh, let me play you and see whether you think i've got a case <laughs> what year is that one what, you know, that's, <laughs> that's 86 i think a year before hit the north came out which is the song i was like that sounds a bit like hit the north but it's i think maybe, maybe one of the later parts Maybe that maybe. part six yeah exactly but anyway so that was a telediscus. so not necessarily what smith was talking about but clearly i would say an influence on certain aspects of of mid-period fall um Maybe not clearly, <laughs> but apparently it deals a lot with uh, uh, robots in space, which is definitely a, you know a very a very good thing. Um, but what we're mostly talking about in terms of Smith's love and influences was Italo House, which is the is this is the music of our youth, gentlemen. If you were down King Street on a Saturday night, all you're hearing essentially is Italo House. Now the the real popular end was black box right on time and all rhythm is it you the know, dancer and all that high energy euro stuff, anything with big electronic pianos, um, and then it kind of fell into a lot of different areas. It, it, it cut, went into the kind of more balearic stuff and then much more housey stuff, but also techno and acid and everything. It was always a, all a bit of a, a, a bit a grab bag for these kind of um Italo house producers. um K-Class bass heads, all of these like bands that had bands had, that had like top 10 Singles in the in the nineties. Um, any opinions on Italo disco or or, or Italo think, house?
0: How, how, do you think Smithy's got his tongue in his cheek when he's saying about it making it heavier? Technology making it heavier because it does. It's it sounds almost the opposite to me. It sounds like it's it's very sort of. Uh, the right word. Like, not not trivial, but, like, sort of... It's very similar. light,
1: but, but I think yeah. he's not necessarily talking about the disco stuff, though I do think he likes it, and I do think it's the Pete Waterman end of the kind of, like, 90s stuff which he definitely had a soft spot for and and crosses over into some of that Dave Bush era stuff but I think he's more talking about the stuff I'm going to play in a minute which is the Italo house stuff um, which is definitely a lot more housey disco-y the heavier end and even some techno-y kind of stuff Um, (laughs) because he's talking about rave right but it's not yeah we're not talking about nails techno it's still cheesy pop pete waterman
0: well it's like it's european not american as well isn't it it's not that detroit and chicago stuff it's it's got yeah. a
1: very different vibe to it, it? it's influenced but more on the housey side of the chicago house kind of than than the techno stuff that you know the treasure and the uh, underground resistance kind of stuff that we uh that we're into <laughs> How about you two chaps ezra and uh Al, anything to add or ask about italo house or disco
3: well, I think going on from what Phil was saying, I think he definitely had his drugs in his cheek. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And, and, you know, like, I remember that stuff. I liked it at the time. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit. I probably would have been ashamed to admit it at the time, though. <laughs> um, but I did like it at the time. And <laughs> Now that I'm old and senile, I don't fucking care. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, and it, it's interesting that you bring up the um, the the old Stock Aitken and Walkman uh Waterman connection there because you know he talks about them a few times. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's some stuff about them in Renegade, and there's this one interview he did, which I remember reading from back in the day. I've not come across it ever since, but he he says something that's just hilarious where he's talking about working with one of the three, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, you can these guys they really know what the fucking doing the professionals. And you can, you can go up to one of them and just say, you know, like, I want to sound like the end of Sergeant Peppers being played backwards in a fun fair in the middle of a black hole. And they'll bring it back to you in about 30 fucking seconds. Not like these indie
1: wankers. Something along them lines. I'm well, paraphrasing heavily. The, the two lads from Inch Dose, whatever they were called, they were Pete Waterman lads that that he worked with at the beginning of Levitate before he sat. It them was off. around that time, yeah. Yeah, it was he might have been talking about them and um yeah, he has to go at orbital and stuff. The reason he brings up this rave stuff in his interview is because they're asking about orbital. And he says, oh, yeah, we got Orbital in to do a remix, which I don't even think is is true anyway. But he said, we got Orbital into to do a remix and it was, it was rubbish. I'm just into all this Italian rave stuff instead. The problem is that they're, these people, they're not musicians, they're DJs, and they don't know anything about studios and they don't respect musicians because they're used to working with Primal Scream. So he says, um... <laughs> but anyway, let's have a listen to the Italo house stuff, which is, it's the same DNA, but it's you know, it's evolved a decade or so on and um it's good stuff. So there we go. It that, that we, you know, that end is obviously a much more techno, even acid, housey influence, and then those big old ride on time pianos coming in just to show us who's boss. I guess that's what he's kind of talking about. And if you do listen, you know, let's let's give him the benefit that he that he wanted shift work, middle class revolt, that kind of period to sound like that. And he was instructing Dave Bush on how to make it sound. It's not. I mean, it makes sense that he's listening to this, doesn't it?
0: It makes sense that he's listening to that stuff, yeah. it's uh, it, it It doesn't translate as well through the lens of Dave Bush, I don't think.
1: Hold on a minute. I'm <laughs> Dave, he doesn't mean it. <laughs> no, 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 we, we do love... S- service is good. It's okay. Is this Get song back album? in the box for
0: greenware.
1: Oh, I love you. <laughs> um, anything else to add on, on Italo House or Disco before we put it back in the box? Needed any...
3: Yeah, it's on. great. I mean, I love that for the same reason that I love all the kind of early proto-rave kind of hardcore stuff. It's just completely bananas. Sounds fantastic. It's a bunch of people who might not set out to make really strange, trippy, confusing music making really strange, trippy, confusing music. And, you know, you can't get better than that. So, oh, yeah, it's beautiful.
1: All really nice righty, well, let's move on to the um, to the main event. What have we got up first um fantastic life let me see if i can do this before uh before you tell me that it needs doing you've not done it yet have you done lad Beautiful stuff indeed. Philip, as is customary, would you make a fantastic line?
0: Well <clears throat> oh God, this is a tough one this, this week. Um I it's a great song, isn't it? It's it, it's it's one of those tunes that really comes straight out of the traps and it's it, it doesn't really stop at any any point. It just keeps charging for the finish line. And the more that I was listening to this yesterday, the more that the first 30 seconds of this song, it really could come from like any era of the fall really it's uh, up until maybe the the last the, the solvent wax boys um, imperial wax i mean but the the actual studio sound on it all still sounds really fresh and in the 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 playing on it is is very very sort of um incessant and it really gets the tempo it really gets the momentum going straight away um, it reminds me a little bit of uh the, uh the verse sort of uh, riff that they get together. Uh, I thought that's, that's really great. And, and Riley does a really good job on the keyboard. I thought that uh, the keys on it are, are absolutely excellent. And I'm normally a little bit snide about Riley, but I think he really does a good job on this. And again we go into that. Um ah, there's something really interesting that happens in this as well, which I'm hoping I'll pick up on, which is like a sort of minute and a half into it, all of a sudden it goes from being this very motoric beat to having like a swing thrown in from nowhere, which is 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 works perfectly. It's so exciting when it happens, and it's a great shift in tone of the song, so that they don't actually have to do anything melodically different, but uh, but the whole feel of it is is great. And then I really like the, the sort of Mez turn when he starts singing Fantastic Lie instead of Fantastic Life and starts talking about conspiracy theories with Rasputin and Jack the Ripper and all this kind of stuff. I think lyrically there's some great turns in it. And it's it's just really, really catchy. It's it's so quotable. The lyrics of it are, are, are great to sort of join in with, and the chorus itself is just an instant hook. So, yeah, it's it's a quality
1: indeed. It is indeed. Um, Al, what do you reckon to it? There we go. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a great song, isn't it? Is Uh is, it. It is. It's a B-side, yeah. Yeah. Lie Dreamer. It's a, like,
0: lie
1: a, lie dreamer.
2: Song, it. this a B-moon. I know. B-side. Unbelievable. Lie Dream. And Yeah, compared to Lie Dream, I prefer Fantastic Life, I think. But, I mean, that's it again. A very, very tough choice, isn't it? Uh, but it's got that really good sort of like minimal groove to it that uh, Phil kind of mentioned. Um, like... The sound of the keys as well as what it's playing because that that's all uh, part of the kind of yeah the the overall rhythm to 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 the song like which kind of like gives me a, again that quite rocky kind of uh, vibe to it but again there's a bit of like your like velvets or like you know gone on to influence bands like stereo love that kind of sound but yeah and it's all backed by a nice sturdy drum beat um, quite like the dynamic when they drop down onto the toms and it's back into it again it's a damn good tune indeed fantastic. Song
1: fantastic as as our friend from temple he might say but what about what about you ezra what do you make to fantastic
3: Mm, yeah it's it's a real fucking great one i mean to me it's like um i think the purest distillation of a certain song they did from the first kind of uh part of their career maybe up until bricks came on board um where they had these songs and and you know i feel like it shares uh DNA maybe with uh, Totally Wired, uh, maybe Roush Rumble, The Man Who's Head Expanded. All these songs have this kind of like straight ahead kind of galloping quality to them. Um, but with Fantastic Life, I feel like it's just its most perfect realisation. Another one, obviously, would be uh, the older um, Fortress Deer Park on Hex, Um, but yeah here it's just it's so nicely concentrated and like phil was saying you know they they're basically switching from like 99 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour or maybe even 99.99 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour and back again there's very little relenting from the step but there is just that tiny infinitesimal kind of step up which just like kind of you know turns the screw on you even further it's just Pure fucking class! Such a great great
1: song. Beautiful. I think both of these songs, "Fantastic Life" and "Fit and Working Again," are obviously ironic, and sarcastic um, approaches to happiness and and to to goodness in life. Because um, this is before he found true happiness with bricks, and so clearly he was a he was a troubled man. Got eighteen months for espionage, too much brandy for breakfast, and people let you down. It's a sweet, fantastic. Dull penicillin to Eastern, plague ridden, and a man will find he has to deny his fantastic life. Met a 54 year old dusty man, and 48 he'd been in Jerusalem, sold surplus oil to Arab fighters for M cocktails to burn Jewish terrorists. What a turn up! Fantastic life. <laughs> <It's>,
0: uh... <laughs> it doesn't grow a of date, does it? Sadly, you
1: know, I don't know. It's... Sadly, it
2: I, I, does not. Because, uh, you know, nowadays for espionage, you get deported
1: to Rwanda. Well, you know, at least there's some progress then. Cheeky keep, pro- <laughs> cheeky keep prodding from Riley, heavy handly. Cheeky chorus riff, single single word Mez chorus as he does so well. Yes, I know it's two words. That juxtaposition of the prodding synth, ding ding ding, and the heavy bass is sweet sweet bed. And uh, just those verses, this tension in them. You know, I was saying this earlier to you, Phil. It's got the for me, it's got the tension and heaviness of some of the stuff that you get perverted by language, but it's done in a light lighter style in a pop way. It's got
0: oh, of... as put his finger on it with the the bricks thing. It does feel like a like a a, a bit of a foreshadowing of where they were going to go when Brix joined the band
1: and i'll i'll give uh riley credit for that and uh, i'd say that although he had his moments of over cheesiness that uh, i think in songs like this he got it right and then it could be paul hanley's influence as well because if you look at things like old brother and stuff where he, it's like they did a few of these really like poppy things before Brix's influence exerted itself really and Burns is just it really masterful. Cool song, wasn't it? What's that? Was it, one that was it one that they've been playing since, like, sort of... Yeah, but not in when... that way. Like, when they brought it back out, I don't think they had that cheeky scent line. Um, I, I might be wrong, but I don't think they had that, that keyboard line that kind of makes it. Um... Yeah Burns is masterful and you know Paul Hamley's in there as well and it's hard to tell who's doing what of course um and the the kind of the, there's some kind of keyboards and guitars that are kind of adding all kinds of weird colours to it that it's not just a straightforward pop song there's loads of stuff going on in the background that's kind of like mm-hmm. Like shifting it around, like putting some kind of dark and light kind of colors all the way through. It's, it's a really great tune. So put it on the B-side. And Sibilance is all the way through. It is Smith right up to the, like two Smiths are right up to the microphone. Um, Michael E. says a great there's a great live version from, from Groningen in the Netherlands that shows that this must have been so much better live than the already superb 7-inch. And Max, what a banger. I just thought I'd tell you some fantastic lies, though the bit about the Arctic Circle, Magic Mushrooms, Hallucinations being the origin of Santa seems plausible. Two drummer a lineup in full effect and guitars and synth stabs away in fine style. Tune, he writes, all capital. But what does... Uh lord you think he has scrawled in his inimitable
0: way fall in tight and controlled mode just burning through with every line feeling like it holds another three songs within it such a concentrated package of genius that i am flabbergasted every time i hear it best fall b-side question mark
1: question mark what about ludgang come on maybe of though, like, isn't it?
0: This is this. Is, this will be the follow up, won't it? Once we finish getting through to the end of this competition, we'll just do all the B sides.
1: But well, we can uh-huh. do a mini one. But I remember that was the first, I think, fall song showdown that I remember seeing on the on the website. And uh, I think Ludgang won the B side. I'll stick with. You. But um, apparently, the bit, the line about the fella kind of having a run in with the police is based on Dave Tucker, the clarinet player from Slate. Uh, some of the Slate's era. It's true, pleads, Tucker. I was in the cells the next day. Moving on, fit <laughs> working again off Slates. Oh. I mean we've had some easy ones in the last few weeks but uh i think it's competition is hotting up ezra fit and working again what do you make of it
3: well i mean to start off with it's purely academic splitting hairs to be like oh well fit and working again is better than fantastic life or vice versa these are both fucking phenomenal excellent tunes um my feeling Here's a spoiler for you, is that I feel like Fantastic Life gets it. Um, And that's mainly because I reckon Fit and Working Again is a bit of a studio creation. Uh, I don't know if they ever tried it live, but it sounds like it would be tricky to reproduce live because it sounds like they've got a bunch of acoustic guitar kind of all blurred over the top of each other. And obviously there's the the piano piece, uh, the piano part, Um, which, you know, I would... If there was ever a piano on the stage at a full show, I would very much like to get a recording (laughs) of that show. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's fucking great on its own terms. Um, The jauntiness of it, uh, when it's talking about basically forcing yourself to go to work because you feel like shit, (laughs) is the way it seems to me. And, you know, he's playing with the whole kind of skiffle, Thing, the whole kind of working class cabaret uh, music thing. Um, so it it's such a nice kind of like deep uh, comment on the kind of stuff that you need to get you through the day. I used to hang like a chandelier. My lungs encrusted, and um, <laughs> it's 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 really it's really fucking great. It's a very very funny song, um, and everything about it is super nifty.
1: Indeed it is. Apparently, according to the track record, 17 times they played it live, so uh, it got a bit of a run out, but um, uh, it would be interesting to hear if, 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 how those uh, how those played, what those sounded like. What about you, Alistair? What do you make to fit and work in a game?
2: Well, I like some slats and I slats, slates, um, so I'm never going to slag it, uh, but yeah, you got that like sort slats. of really nice, sort of quick pace swing beat to it. And uh, I, I like the fact they're pissing around with like acoustic instruments as well, like you know, with the piano and acoustic guitars. Uh, you have got the fan, funny backing vocals, um, and you know that, that bass riff throughout it, just sort of like leading the way. Um, it's, it's a it's, it's a great tune. It's, it
1: it's a great tune. Fantastic life is on the reissue of um, Slate, so you know if if, if that helps, <laughs> still counts. Um, how about you, Pippin? What do you reckon to fit and working again?
0: Well, yeah, I agree with all of that. I mean, I go even further as well. I, I, it really charms me this tune. It's like them. It's like them trying to do what the Beatles were doing on Sgt. Pepper's, or what the Beach Boys were doing on Pet Sounds, or something like that. And. Like Al said, they're playing with acoustic sounds, which you don't get a lot of on full records, and they're playing with dynamics uh, in the the actual EQing, where it doesn't sound like it's got any middle going on. It's uh, It's got these really funny... Uh, you've got a very loud electric guitar played, very clean and spurringly, and it works very well. It's like a Dwayne Eddy touch or something like that. It's uh, It's got this real 50s rock and roll uh sensibility to it um And I like the fact it sounds like a jigsaw. It's, it sounds like that each individual piece has been thought about and they've, they've arranged it like that. It's, it's got that kind of meticulousness about it. And you don't, it's not very obvious on fall records when that happens, is it? There's loads of tunes where there's lots of busy ideas going on and production and construction and arrangement going on, but it's kind of, it's front and center in this tune. And I, I really like that. I like how stripped down, how honest it is. And you're probably right, probably is a studio creation. Um, But I, I quite like that. It's, again, I'll be the first one to say it this time. It's an outlier in outliers for this band. And I, I it, that in and of itself charms me. So I, I really like this. And it's a tough one for me, which is the better of Yeah,
1: uh, it's not as tough for me. Uh, Spoiler, Fantastic Life is one of my... Uh, favorite fall songs Um, however listening to it again this week as a straight up comparison it was closer than I originally thought as um, both songs are, are kind of centered around really heavy that really nice heavy Hanley bass it's super twangy But yeah, there's the, we were talking, there's there's almost no middle. It's like, there's some acoustic stuff going on in the middle, like, like holding forward. But, but all the noises are right at the top end, top end of the piano, like laser being zapped coming out from, and I was was like, have they got like a new keyboard or something? Because I don't think the Snoopy does that kind of stuff. And it could have been a guitar effect. It could have been stuff, but there was the top end of the piano going to the top end of the guitar, making some nice drinkly sounds and some laser beam sounds. And Mez gets all cavernous a couple of minutes in, and it's like, I started to think about trap music. It's like, and I know it's a bit of a stretch, but just that booming 808 and all those kind of like rhythmic hi-hat stuff, going on it's the same kind of idea. Um um, and just hazes of highs and lows and uh, it's just really messy messy fun isn't
0: this isn't it and this is a genuine question isn't that like a sort of dub or reggae kind of thing because there's not much middle in those is there when it comes
1: no to the... i mean it, it could have been we an attempt say, to do... yeah. yeah it could have been an attempt to do something like that where it's just whole head around that heavy bottom end and then there's just noises kind of like mixed coming in and out yeah. yeah yeah um Gimme, gimme, UG medicine, and I feel like Alan Minter. Paul Hanley reckons it's another reference to the underground medicine, which makes sense. And uh, this idea of, you know, using your body to its full potential normally by taking shed loads of pharmaceuticals. Um, in this case, blotting sheets after blotting sheet. Um, <laughs> opinion is that is at most one stimulus reason with the true brain sus analysis is academic some thoughts can get nauseous sat opposite a freak on a train warts on his head and chin boy i was getting so vain saw the recession around victoria station it's just uh, <laughs> you know there's just so much good stuff in in there and and again it's just proper tongue-in-cheek of someone on their deathbed like strolling down the street <laughs> like i'm bitten to get <laughs> got... some coughing up blood along the way Michael like lee yeah of course, I'll tell you what he thinks. I loved every track on Slates, and Fit and Working Again is superb, and the bit about Alan Minter has always tickled me a bit. Um, the other thing is, I want to say about Fit and Working Again, is the first time I heard this, I thought I'd put the record on the wrong speed. I had to stop it and find it was actually the correct speed. Did anyone else experience this? Nope. Nope. <laughs> but I get your point, although, you know, especially until Mez starts singing, sure. It's a, it's a little bit... Um, on the sluggish end for something this poppy max because uh, this lovely production every element has its own space a song which refers to the writing of itself which is also very lovable however it's no fantastic life he calls it what about what about uh, stuart what well
0: let's find out let's decode his message i love the demented country twang on this track, and the way the production makes it so muddled and hollow, but with the backing vocals pinging out from the gaps, I really wouldn't want to be without it. But when I compare it to Fantastic, oh, he's going to call it again. Call it. it seems to be less of a complete package overall. It doesn't leave me stunned in quite the same way. Mm, I
1: get you. All right, let's uh, let's take a vote. I am going for Fantastic Life, as is due, um, Philip.
0: Uh, I'm I'm just going to put in a protest vote and, uh, and go for fit and working again, I think, but I can see the way the wind's blowing
1: here. Aye. Although you never know, those two Patreon chaps, they, uh, they'll they fool you. Although one of them's just... T- um, Alistair, which way are you going? It, even though I, it's, it
2: gets me a bit of judgment, I am going to go for fit and working
1: again. Okay, fair enough. Never, never been one afraid to shoot yourself repeatedly in both feet. Um, oh, yeah. Ezra? Uh,
3: yeah, uh, fantastic life.
1: Good, good. And so both Max and Michael have gone for it. And um, yeah, that takes it through five to two. So we have up to the next showdown, which uh, I've got a feeling. Well, I've got a feeling tonight's going to be a good night. What about um, Temple House versus (laughs) Bad News Girl? just been alerted to a new tesco position in blackpool so anyone that lives there get on the internet um what about what about um tempo house alistair what do you make of that tune
2: it's a bloody bloody singly, great fucking slab of the fall isn't it um it is it is i mean like what's going on with the drums what, what's going on with the drums there brendan it's all gone fucking crazy
1: live though in it <laughs> I'll that bass,
2: Yes. yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like you yeah, said, that's the end isn't it? Yes. But the sound, the sound of the bass is just fucking awesome. Uh, you can hear like, you know, bands like Jesus lizard, I reckon. Uh, you know, like I think Albini all picked up on that kind of sound quite a bit. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just like it's it's like all over the place, is it? You know, feedback all over the shop, keyboard murderation going on in the lyrics. Come on, uh, I'll leave that to someone else. Aye. I'll leave that. With you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But what about the guitar? No guitar, right? Almost none. That was the best bit of it. Oh, don't like Craigie saying that. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah
2: abs- that, it makes, I think that makes the, the fact that you've not got the guitar. There, it's like one less distraction from what Mark's saying. And I don't pick up on lyrics very often, but this is one of the ones, one of the songs that we like the loads of times like, but were I do actually know some little lyrics, right? Or go at on. least I think I do. Tell us, tell us your
1: your favorite lyrics. Uh,
2: winston churchill had a speech impediment and look what he did he
1: did exactly good one put you on the spot there alistair and you came through good and strong i'll <laughs> it that bit out. um but here's a question for you it's not a studio version so it's not really the, the real version right they never did a real version that would have been good mm, it would yeah so what do you recognize of this fake version of temple house
3: yeah you know like this was always the track which um would be the cue for me to go go and make myself a cup of tea when i was listening to perverted by language um i've come to like it um yeah you know like i always feel like it it surely it was an uh inspiration to flipper because to me it just sounds a lot like flipper um uh, but quite a bit smarter than flipper
1: i'll give you that i'll give you that
3: uh, yeah like I like the uh, I like the feeling of the misery of it. It feels very much like the experience of going to the dole office. Um I like the fact that it references Richard Burton, um a great actor indeed. Um he seems to be slagging off the Welsh but really kind of cryptically because he's like what does he say about the oh goddamn the pedantic Welsh Maybe he just thinks they're all like Richard Burton, who I suppose may have played a pedant in one of the films that he'd seen recently. I'm not sure, but it, it, for some reason that kind of reminded me about like uh, um, fucking uh, John Boris Johnson's off-color WhatsApp messages <laughs> about old people should, should having a good innings and and whatnot. But uh, you know, at least Marky e. Smith had the cojones to just fucking put it in his lyrics. Um so yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's a great song, but I've never really understood why so many people rate it so highly. Like um it is nice. I like I like it more towards the end as well because you get into some really weird uh, drum interplay and there's a bit of cacophony going on. Um I think the thing that would have made it made me like it more is there's this one section where they get the backing vocals in and they're just all kind of going like uh, uh and Mikey smith's going uh as well and bit. if they'd kept yeah 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 if the if the backing vocalists who i guess were probably scanlon and Hamley had just kept going uh throughout the rest of the song i think it would have been much much better yeah
1: got I, some it's um I think Boris Johnson's off call. <laughs> What's that There's the name of a band I really need to go and see. Um, Danny, our good friend Danny, is on the annotated for all few, has um, actually tracked down where Tempo House may well be, 15 Falcon Road in Battersea. Um, and one of the um, people at an office there was Mike Mingard, who was Gary Glitter's manager. So it is possible this is a direct reference to something and um danny has pointed out some other occupants of tempo house over the years now if this was anyone else we'd think they'd made it up but we know these are definitely real the jackie chan fan club the canned food advisory service uh, service greenway publishers national association of laryngectomy clubs um charles Erie associates rumor records and green and bull solicitors so actually it seems like you know you could put your claim into temporary in several different ways but what does tim think i think he likes this one well let's check
0: i used to think this was a weak spot on an otherwise flawless album what a twat it's great i love the weird wide sound stage of it which makes the drummer interplay really transparent and provides something for that bass line to hover over the whole thing slips, swagger, and collapse. Lovely. Absolutely. And
1: two different people saying the term drum place, set off some red, red flags in my, in my house. Um, a serious man in need of a definitive job. He had drunk too much. Mandrake anthrax. Tormented tots with Burton weeping. Put your claim into tempo house. Roll the chubby round jowls. And Burton is weeping. Snow on Easter Sunday. Jesus Christ in reverse. I tell you. The Dutch are weeping in four languages elite. Um, absolutely amazing, you know, a bizarre kind of jazz chord, maybe the only chord of the entire song as well. And then Craig just stops playing as they just hammer out this, this Hanley another absolutely beastly Hanley um, thing and laying down the bed with the of of the the drummers and Hanley just laying down his bed for, for Mez just masterfully For a live performance, he's just absolutely in command of this song. Um, I said this week when I was bantering with with Stu that it's kind of makes a case for inertia. It's like almost nothing is happening, but I'm I'm pretty transfixed by it. I've always liked it and I don't know why because this is the kind of song that doesn't have a lot going on necessarily and they don't easily do it for me. I've always thought of it as a part of a suite with Garden. Like the two of them just go together and have like a 15 kind of epic kind of um, thing going on. But yeah, fucking Hamley, absolute beast and the um, percussive fun that the cheeky drum boys is getting towards the end. <laughs> Maybe we can like, drum interplay either. Even and... Um, the keyboard interjections and the inopportune moments only make the case that we should stay here forever. Temple House, says Michael Lee, live at the Hacienda, but I cannot find a copy of that show with sound as good it is as it is on the LP. That is true. Uh, whereas uh, Max has a very downbeat vibe apart from some keyboards that sound like they're from Mez. Indeed they do. It's a Doc's Shanley show, though the layers of drums work too. Maybe Craig was off sick. He's not. He's standing there holding his guitar for the entire duration of the video. <laughs> Whatever it works. Um, it is up against "Bad News Girl" or "Curious Orange." Have a listen. Or do, well, what do you think? What do you I, think I of I this? I'm going to tell you what I think first. What do you think a tempo has, if you don't mind?
0: <laughs> well, <clears throat> there's loads of stuff. There's loads of stuff about this that I really like, but I, I feel like I should add a little bit of salt to the discussion, really about it. There's there's I mean Hanley's amazing on it I, I will give you that and he's his line is sprawling like I think Alistair said and it is an exercise in in creating space and just holding this huge huge amount of like landscape really or soundscape with with what they're doing and Mez's performance is great on it it's it's a real showstopper of a performance from Mez isn't it and it's almost like a it accentuates his ability to be theatrical because he's not really competing against anything. He's just dancing along with with Hanley's uh, background, really, isn't he? And it, it does. It gets intense, but for me, it doesn't really gain any mass. And if anything, it sort of it feels like entropic. If anything, it feels like it's almost slowing down towards towards the end of the tune, like it's going to collapse. So, and which is not necessarily a bad thing. But uh, it's I, I, it intrigues me as a piece of music more than me more than me enjoying it, I think, and I, 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 that's notwithstanding some of the very funny lyrics that are in it, and this <clears throat> sort of dour magical realism that he seems to have in the way that he creates these. Uh, it's it's basically going going to the doll office, but it's it's now become this huge kind of mythological event, hasn't it? By the the, the way it's being performed now, so it's. Uh, I, I dig all that, but I there's places where I'm just hearing Spectre versus Rector being played out again. And it, it's to me it's not as inventive as the fall normally are with these kind of things. It's they're no stranger to a, a long form piece, are uh, they? But I think that uh they do it they do it better than in other places. But you know, it's good. Oh right.
1: I will give you that in the sense that if you um if you're looking at perverted by language as a whole, yeah when i'm listening to the album it's probably the the kind of least engaging one but it just it seems to fit so well in the album and it's such a weird choice i'm kind of playing around with it, the idea of not being the real version but what do you make of that it's like the the decision to put on essentially just a live cut in the middle of an album mm.
0: it's unusual isn't it? it it's you don't it's not it's not something that bands normally do and if they do it's normally like as an extra at the end of the album, isn't it a live version of something? Is it a real version? I I go back to that book that my old drummer Phil gave us. The problem with music, where he talks about music and anti-music, and and real music has to have an audience. And stuff that is created on record is not really real music. It's that's it's a it's a commodity that's made out of music. Real music is where you get the exchange going on. Yeah. So yeah. I, in that, I, I to me, it's nah. It's it doesn't make any difference.
1: No, nah, it doesn't. And I, I think it's uh, it makes a case for doing more of those kind of things yeah. where you where a song, maybe the best version is a live version uh, and <clears throat> it should be able to take its place there. I wonder if they ever tried it in the studio and just decided, no, the live one just works better. What are you going to say, Ezra?
3: Yeah, I reckon it's basically about getting the sound of time and the, time, the sound of time in a doll office is the sound of a bunch of people waiting for something and filling the silence with that do you know what i mean so like you know it's a little different
4: yeah, yeah but
3: in a gig essentially everybody's there waiting for the song to end or waiting for something to happen so you know like you need the weight the the weight of the audience or the people waiting um, and that that's why i felt like uh, it was a live version
0: I like that. I like that. In in a lot of the um, early discussions with Straight Out Cafe, the band that I did, there was a lot of discussion about where the audience fitted in to what being a band meant. And that very, the Pavlovian band plays, song audience claps, band plays, song audience claps thing that you get into at gigs. And how do you break that? And it's, I think experimenting with those ideas is—I think it's hot.
1: You just said they clap at the end of the songs. I, I'm not sure I've ever <laughs> experienced,
0: experienced that. I was talking metaphorically.
1: Exactly. All right, let's listen about a list of "Bad News Girl." <laughs> what do I think of this song? What do I think of Bad News Girl? Yeah? Yes, Phil? What do you think of this? What do I you think, think of it? I think it's cheesy. Uh, I think it's dull. Um, I think it that high up the neck bass line is an area that Shanley should stay away from. That's hooky's. That's hooky's end, as we call it. You got the rest of the next Steve. Stay, Don't be touching
0: hooky's end. Exactly, <laughs>
1: uh, and it pales against the the, the uh, heaviness of the first three songs we heard this evening. Two minutes in, it's kind of getting going. Mez is low in the mix and he's bitter. And then it kicks into an even cheesier version. And I'm not, I'm as as shown from my love of those songs earlier in the evening, the Italo House of Disco, I'm all for cheese. This ain't the kind of cheese that I want to be smearing all over my avocado toast. It gets, gets far, far worse. Jaded lust and tiresomeness are not what I want to look at. Plenty of people keep you occupied, octopus. Wet sex will keep you anesthetized. You've got a big vibe, girl. Goodbye, my dear. Goodbye to this song, that's what I say. Shouldn't have even got through was the first... Who's with
4: me? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Shouldn't have even got through round one. Boo. Boo the fall. Um, Ezra, what do you think of this song?
3: Yeah, well, this is Mark e. Snide, isn't it? He's, like, abusing his bully pulpit to the max. And it's not very nice. Um, I do like some of the lines, like, uh, what was it? The wet sex will keep you insist- insistent anesthetized yeah it's droll enough i suppose um i like the way it kind of i remember when we listened to this in the first round and the thing that struck me is that like the opening part feels a bit like sonic youth feels a lot like sonic youth actually it feels very much like a sonic youth song with that kind of like use of harmonics and what i was thinking the first time i heard it was they were taking the piss out of sonic youth because then it goes into this anemic kind of rock out section which just takes all of the juice out of the uh, first half uh, and so I was like oh for sure they're taking the fucking piss out of sonic youth and yeah like musically the first half i like it well enough the second half it it it's okay if you're writing a song to take the piss out of sonic youth it makes sense um but the rest of it and yeah you know like the just the nasty shitty shit about bricks i don't know it's yeah, it's yeah.
1: Nothing special no I, the nastiness and the, and the that brutishness is uh you know it's it's off putting but it's i'm more just it's just a really pop song and um i ain't got time for it pip's got loads of time for this stuff what, what do you reckon to this whatever well, i'm calling it
0: today it's gonna win um <laughs> it's a mess it's a mess isn't it, it it's it's got that I I know what you mean by Sonic Youth. To my ear, it sounded like Brian Fucking Adams when it started. It was like it, it whichever way it sounds like the tech in the piss. Um and then it got it it shifts gear in a way that is not unusual for the fall and is also not good. <laughs> um and the, yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's cheese, but it's it's not good cheese. It's the catchier bit for me. I thought it was the better bit of the song, to be honest with you. Um, and then it, it shifts back into that sort of lame, twangy chorus guitar, but I, I didn't even pick up on any of the words, because he mumbles the first half, doesn't he, and then the second half, it's 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 so twee and, and bouncy that I was, I was kind of listening to the music, really, so, but I mean, either way, this
1: is not going through, is it now? No, but when, when the lyrics first start off, there's a you, there's a chance that it's kind of a, a variety of perspectives on Bricks because he talks about hot girl, bad news girl, um, insistent girl. And, uh, you you know, there's, I mean, obviously know the song, but the first time you, you approach it, there's a possibility that he's actually, like, coming at this from multiple voices and just realistically tirade and then says it's not about it's by some other woman. <laughs> i think i think some other hot californian (laughs) blunt (laughs) exactly um michael a says i think brick says in a book that she thought it was about her which it might well have been It might well have been i love the way it is quite moody and atmospheric for the first two thirds and switches gear Okay, Uh whereas Max says, I really feel for Bricks having to perform this live, but is she the bad news girl or is Mark talking about her fur? Either way, Durgy part one goes on too long, but is rescued by the lovely pop part two? Maybe maybe when you're detached from this and you're not as in as we are, you can see the beauty. Alistair's a man who never shies away from beauty. What do you think of bad news girl? Um, is it punk? Is it a punk song? Would
2: you? You <laughs> know what I wrote down there. Well, it starts off with a moody Brian Adams bit, and then gets into some sort of like a pop punk or bubblegum pop kind Ooh. of um, groove. I I kind of like wonder how much this is sort of like put together for the choreography. um you know, it's, it's competent, but there's there's not much conviction. Is there? It's like you know, you get yeah, get eighteen yeah. more espionage, and then this. I know, unbelievable, yeah, isn't right. it?
1: Well, you know what that when, just that little chat we had um about punk rock a few minutes ago i was thinking if i'm gonna throw you a few more songs and you tell me if they're punk okay here's the first here's the first song uh blitz creed bop by the remones is it punk uh, uh no that's jazz punk. yeah how about um um yummy 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 i got a love in my tummy how about that one
2: Oh, it's a classic isn't it? Uh, Pinky and Perky's version of it is is an absolute stormer as well. The funkest we version. It's, it's just the
0: punkiest version.
1: <laughs> last one, Uptown Funk by Mark Ronson featuring Bruno Mars. Um that's a song. Okay. What about this? My favorite song, um, The Police. Is that a punk song? Uh, which one? The, the police song. Oh, from, theme from the police, like I think it's called. I hope my legs don't break. Theme from the police. I think that's what was, oh, that? that one. <laughs> the one they did with Lee Scratch Perry. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pump uh, uh, Pipe music. <laughs> Brilliant. Have I asked everybody about what they think of this song though? Because I got distracted there. What did Tim think? That's well, Tim Tim think?
0: think? I quite like this, except for the final part, which sounds really shit. I think Brix's guitar work is great, but that lurch into pop just turns me right off. Every feels to me like it needed another bit in the oven. I don't feel particularly sympathetic to this sort of lyric and theme in a fall song. Just a
1: bit basic. Okay. Thanks for that opinion there, Stuart. Um, He's going let's... to
0: Tempo House.
1: I'll let you know. Um, as am I. And um, how about the rest of you, Alistair? Which way are you going, Tempo or Bad News? Tempo House. Okay, that's that makes three of us. What about um, Michael E's gone Tempo House, but Max has gone Bad News Girl. <laughs> mm. And uh, Philip, what about you? uh in four languages at least exactly and uh ezra what 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 says you
3: well if i had an agenda this is exactly the kind of song that i would put Tempo house up against because there's no way that anybody in their right mind would vote for bad news girl over Tempo house so my vote is Tempo.
1: i don't know what you're talking about let's move on to the next uh showdown <laughs> 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 Finals. The final showdown of the evening is the best fall song against some garbage B-sides. Um, we have City Dweller for mm-hmm. Middle Class Revolt. vestige of the Euro War,
4: it's a good life, Balance and the tyrants. Preston gang champs Swiss. Rage on. Keep your head down, come on. Down now. Suits is now in the pockets. It's a good life. You. Avoid the dismantle.
1: <laughs> Philip City Dweller. That was it. it was originally wow. behind the counter. Oh no, it was originally called Taxi Driver. It was a B-side, and then they, they made it even better. Made this really, really great version and put it on the album Middle Class.
0: Yeah, I, it it feels like we're going back to the start a little bit, doesn't it? With the old Italo house there mm. and the Italo disco. It's got a bit of that vibe going on. I uh, is well documented soft spot for middle class revolt, and I I am quite fond of this tune. Um, apart from the bit, were about halfway through, it feels like Mark creeping over your shoulder and whispering into your ear, like like joe biden to a to a 12 year old girl or something like that do you know what i mean it's like uh it's it's a very strange experience to get that kind of dynamic going on when you've got the headphones but apart from that i i really really enjoy it i i think it's it's one of the better tunes on the album i i love the layered vocals on it i love the fuzzed out guitar so yeah i think it's got
1: loads going for it sweet i um I don't agree with you musically. I don't agree with you musically. But what I I do agree with you that it's it's got great lyrics. So that's what you said, right? You did. You said that. <laughs> that's what you said. You said message of the yearabore. It's a good life bowing to tyrant. Christian gang chant sweet. Keep your head down for the moment. Avoid the dismantled. All heads stuck in bloody plant pots. All looking at them, forgetting the endless drive against nature. Um, Michael, e., I don't have anything to say about this, but I like it. Um. <laughs> But what does that what do i have to say Well, will wait and see but what does ezra have?
3: To- yeah actually you know this is the hardest call of the evening uh these two tracks city dweller i remember in the first season i said something along the lines it sounds like marky smith hallucinating an argument with himself in the club toilets while the shaman are playing and it still sounds like that and it's fucking brilliant. It's really, really good. If anything, I've come to like it even more than I did. Um, you stole the first part of the lyrics that I was going to read. I did. Like I knew you were going to do that. But that's all right, because they're all fucking amazing. Uh, all heads stuck in bloody plant pots, all looking at them, forgetting the endless drive against nature, city dweller. Must we base ourselves again into a <laughs> mud? mood? You're well welcome to it. Get out of my city, you mediocre sued, and take those red tie bastards who put up the Olympic flag with you. They walk around leering at girl- young girls in packs, worse than any yobs. It's January twentieth, Eurobore. I support media. Keep Olympic bidding. City dweller backwards more than you can ever know, and it it it, it just continues like that. And I, I think you can maybe get a sense as. To what he's railing against here, but you actually don't need to because it just sounds fucking immense—the sound of Marquis e. Smith having a good argument with himself in a toilet. What more could you ask for in a record than that?
1: It, I, I, I get, I get your point. There's something in in those kind of arpeggiated, kind of generic arpeggiated synth lines that I just cannot get over. As much as I um, I do, I do have a real soft spot for parts of this era and the, the him having a good old go at the um, <laughs> Olympic Committee wandering around Manchester. Must we base ourselves again in organic mud? You're well, well. Um, Manchester unsuccessfully bid for the Olympic Games in 1992, 1996 and 2000 before finally landing the Commonwealth Games in 2002. And Alistair, what do you think? Well...
2: <laughs> I think this is probably Dave Bush on farm. really. Um, it does sound a bit like New Order, and you do, when the bass kicks in, uh, which, when it does, it's dead groovy. Like, there's real sort of funk to it. It'd have been interesting, though, to have heard what Peter Hook would have done over that. Um, and it'd probably work, wouldn't it? <laughs> i say,
1: hi, Nick, squeeze it to death. Um, Just get a fucking guitar, okay? What's the problem?
2: <laughs> yeah, and, well, that's it, we... we It it don't guitar's not as big, so it's not as imposing. And uh, you know, slung lower guitar don't look as good as a bass. But yeah, it's one of the better ones of middle
1: class. You
2: know, it's borderline boring, but it's it works.
1: Yeah, rubbish is what you're trying to say, basically. Um, Here's what Max says: Acid. More songs should have money taxi drivers on it if it produces gold like this. Just too young. It's very good. Um, But yeah, I can definitely see that Italo house, Italo disco kind of uh, influence. That's kind of what got me thinking is like, I hadn't really thought about this being on the playlist when I started putting together those Italian, that Italian job. And um, then I listened back to it. I was like, yeah, that's a direct, it's a direct link right there. Good, Good work, David Bush. (laughs) The did, he did. He's good, and I, I don't even think we give him a hard time. We seem to pretty much like everything he did. So I'm not sure why. Uh, <laughs> and it's not like you with this guitarist we we won't mention. Um, and everyone brought <laughs> him up. What about?
0: Like him down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Don't worry. None of the songs made it around you. What does What do think? <laughs>
0: Uh, proper shit in that pop techno way, but it's undeniably fun. I like the old vocal trick of bringing in a tape recording to vary the texture, dull and sanctimonious recitation otherwise. The guitar work sounds almost stadium-like in a weird way and overall it's not up to much if you want to do anything more than shake your ass to cheap dance, and I have been shaking my ass liberally.
1: Very good. Arpeggiated since Big Tom's funk beat, Unusual Chord pattern, Smith. One of the best of this mcr type this is what i say, but the bass needs more heft craig's riffage is nicely wonky but it's just totally incongruous and uneasy in this kind of setting it just doesn't really add anything but there's some nice buzzsaw sounds with a bit of texture and that freaky freaky whispering uh, but again as i've said a few times on this type of song bush and smith are pretty much all we need and um it is sad to think of Shanley and Craig as being super, superfluous to the fall. Tough words from me half an hour ago. Um, what about, let's have a listen to Hind Leaves, what it is up against off cerebral caustic.
4: They
1: someone say incongruous um alistair what do you make of pine Leaf?
2: It, it, it's a terrible caustic. it's not it's um a garden yeah uh, quite like the uh what the, the acoustic guitar do on it so really nice riff um, um and then you get the uh the big keyboards that sound like uh, frank side or some sort of um i don't know nintendo 64 game soundtrack um wait Kind of text the, uh, the 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 niceness out of the guitar and the groove that was going on, uh, but yeah, like I said, it's one of the better ones off serial uh, casting.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I'd say. Um along with the joke and life just bounces maybe bonkers in phoenix this is it i mean I, if i was if i was keeping stuff i don't think they'd probably only get three or four off cerebral caustic it's, it's down there at the bottom but um i do really have a soft spot for this one it's not one i particularly knew very well before we started this competition but uh love it that beautiful acoustic with with the mez kind of soft kind of mumbling over it i was thinking after this took up couple times, like this is arab strap this is essentially what arab strap sounded like in their first so i went back and listened to a whole bunch of early arab strap stuff and it's great great band especially in their uh, earliest um but i'm not i get i get a feeling that a lot of fans don't particularly like it. a lot of most places where i read hear here it, it's kind of just dis- pretty easily but um yeah, the beautiful acoustic, and then yeah, that those keyboards, that and who else would do that? Mm-hmm. That such obnoxious synth trumpets just all over it. But it it just is exactly what I come to the fall for. So it's it's brilliant. I really like it. And yeah, then when you I mean when you start listening, and the idea that again it's never made really clear, but the idea of pine leaves having something to do with death, the concentration camp ghosts and dusk and dark and it's it's a beautiful set of lyrics um as the ghost presence how does it show a dream i've heard the same how does this end they all come from verdant albion still they breathe this corpora of this leaden leaf folding out with ghosts still in the tub of side for bone shakes these apes were once born fluid now that's the truth drawn from the in outlet i wish i could have seen you all curations and evocations from verdant green yellow puddles purcell appears in the form of an angel it's now no good twice beautiful right phil Beautiful, right?
0: It is. It is. It's it's fairly got its claws into me this week, this tune. I've, I've I've listened to it more than any of the others. And the words I've really been puzzling over them for quite a while. And I even gave it to uh to Jordy to the other day to kind of have a look at it. it's like, go well, on, you're a poet, you have a read of them, tell me what it says. Is and it good? It's...
1: Tell me if it's good.
0: Is it good? And um The really interesting thing, it's a bit misleading when you read the lyrics, isn't it, because of the uh, interplay, dare I say, between the Tate recording and his vocal performance over the top of it, which is quite an interesting way of presenting any kind of poetry or song or... It's, you know that kind of mixed media approach. It, it always reminds me of William Burroughs, the sort of cutting in and out type thing, and and things different medium wrestling for dominance in the narrative. I think it's an interesting idea. But the the actual themes when you get into it of, of death and uh, or annihilation, really of ghosts from these traumatic past, and then uh, the stuff about uh, verdant Albion which is the the sort of mythological name for England really isn't it it's like the spiritual name for England rather than any sort of political nation state it's it's an older idea than that and uh, the way that he he weaves all this into this kind of cycle of death and birth and fertility and all that kind of stuff it's very Blake uh, the other half was saying it's very Dylan Thomas in places some of the language that he uses and it just it, it's its quite pertinent for some of the other discussions we've been having around narratives and the death of modern England and all that hospicing modernity and those kind of ideas it really struck a chord with me um, so I, I yeah (laughs) And then over the top of all that you've got. Ah, like nobody else would do that, and it is—it's funny the first time you hear it, and then about the fifth time you hear it, you can't hear it any other way. It would sound wrong not to have that stupid preset on over the top. So yeah, the imagery—I think it's really evocative, and it's—it it, it tickles my fans, Let's put it like,
1: yeah, it is the the uh, the the voiceover the tape. Um, yeah, it makes the rest of it more it pulls it in a certain direction, right? Without that, it would it would still be a really nice lyric. It would still be something that's very evocative, put it, but without that very direct those very direct quotes about essentially prisoners of war concentration camps over it. Um, yeah, and there's not many times where it does where he does that, where the it uses the dictaphone and things like that to add things and maybe make things a little more interesting, but to have something that adds a counter narrative or something that actually then adds something to the original lyrics. It's really interesting. Yeah. What about you, Ezra? You 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 got got it on for this one? Oh
3: yeah. Like I like I said before, like these two, this is the hardest decision for me this evening because I think they're both top of the fucking top shelf full. Um this one, it, it 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 also it puts me in mind of sinister waltz, um, and both of those tunes have this kind of uh, modernized pagan feel to it. And I think with pine leaves, it I really love the way it comes in with this kind of guitar pattern, which almost sounds like it could be from any kind of folk song, folk ritual back in the day, <laughs> and, then, and then the the brass voice on the keyboard just goes,
4: bah, bah,
3: bah. and of course my heart just instantly melts. I, I've, I've spoken at length about the fall's use and abuse of presets and particularly horn voices, horn presets. Like I, I think there's, um, I think there's a university dissertation to be had in, <laughs> in the fall and their horn presets and their love of uh, usage there. Oh, um, and yeah, and, and and this is it, like, you know, the first thing I thought is like, well, it's like if you, you know, you go on a holiday to a Scottish island and you wind up on the same island as uh, the Wicker Man was on, and you go into that pub that they had on the island, but of course now they've got like a, a karaoke machine, and they're all singing their weird like pagan hymns to karaoke backing, backing tracks, and it doesn't <laughs> make it any less witchy, it's just that the technology's changed. And, you know, I I think that's
0: why didn't the Nicolas Cage version go to that pub? It was that would have been a (laughs) marriage in fucking what an amazing idea. I want to watch that movie right now.
3: Mm, Only God forgives in Scotland. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, you know, like that's the thing that I love the most about The Fall is that they have that. Like a lot of, a lot of other bands, they, a lot of other musicians, they put in a lot of effort to kind of being authentic to the past um whilst you know like relegating the present as if it doesn't exist. And I you know, I, I think a lot of musicians kind of see that more clearly now and a lot of artists see that more clearly now. But at the time, I really think it was maybe, you know, the fallen, maybe a select few that really kind of understood that it's all at the same time. Um, and and yeah, and like this track The lyrics are just fucking gorgeous. You know, these apes were once born, fluid now, that's the truth. As with all of his best fucking shit, it's just so few words, such an enormous impact, and on various levels. So good. Yeah, it's a real killer, this one.
1: Yeah. Can we get down to the, the competition aspect? For me, there's absolutely no comparison one the the city dwellers got some nice sounds in it and even some nice lyrics but uh this <laughs> and especially when i put it up against uh something like midnight in aspen which is about six years later six seven years later uh, absolutely beautiful i'd even say this one it's just so weird it's just stuck right on the end of cerebral cost and nobody's getting to the end of that record we're on a steam three so parts of the way through
0: As we said, something that interesting about that made me think about musicians and a sense of present, and it it reminds me of that ongoing conversation about modern postmodernism that we've had over the years. You know, what those different searches are, and what the the attitude towards the uh, bricolage that we find ourselves surrounded with is. And there is there is definitely that going on with the... In fact, I think it goes back to what Spencer said in all them episodes ago about proper folk music. You know, about using the things that you find yourself surrounded with to say something about where you find you. And it, they do that so well. It's, that's they, they are a, a, a proper... Uh, fork band in that sort of metric
1: yeah it's not about the hey nonny nonny right mm-hmm. indeed Let's, uh, have we heard what she thinks of this?
0: Uh, I don't think so. Let's see. Um, Hard to pin down this one. Lyrically, it's really interesting and evocative with a guitar loop and decoration. It could have made something worthwhile. The problem is that everything else sounds so fucking class and crass and tasteless, especially the synth brass patch, Then I uh, that I get ripped out of any sort of appreciation of the sort of facial expression you find on your skull when you realise a turd has been tracked into your living room.
1: I remember him saying something about last that time, right? He couldn't get over those keys. He just he couldn't mm-hmm. see past them because he's just he's not as mature as as we are as listeners, really. So when when something it's, appears like a trumpet sound, it's like it's like if a squirrel ran along like a, a well, legend. you were spends trying to read his
0: hours, doesn't he? Spends his hours whiling away on his recorder, surrounded by peacocks and uh, reading the classics. He's uh, he's a very well educated man. But, uh, come
1: on. If anyone lives near Stu, here's what I want you to do. Climb up that tree in his garden with your synths pipe pipe something <laughs> and every time he says planes his recorder," start playing bow, 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 on your on your presets <laughs> that's you Stuart. that's what you that's what you deserve i know you're listening this is what you deserve because this is a perfect song but here's what my my, uh, my says pine leaves does sound like the sort of thing the fall could knock out in their sleep at this period but it's still a good enough track could have been a beast uh, high high praise indeed, especially given that Fantastic Life was a B-side. I guess he's referring back to that earlier. And uh, Max W, they've done that thing of having Mark's vocal way too loud in the mix, but this time, maybe because he's mumbling, it seems to work and capture a lot of personality. A pretty audio collage with a surprisingly hooky chorus, but not that hooky. Um, They've both gone for city dweller though if that uh, colors anybody's vote at this point. I'm just putting it out there I'm not manipulating the vote in any way whatsoever. I'm just saying that right now city dweller is way ahead, way ahead. Um, I think I'll vote for pine leaves as Ezra, what about you?
3: you? You chaps have swayed me. I'm I'm, I'm with the pine leaves
1: um, I think I just read the rule book a bit more carefully and I think if you're not here in the room, then your your vote doesn't count, so we don't need to ask, find out what Stu thinks. Oh, what do you what do you think? Pine leaves, good lad. Eyes in the mail, Philip. You get the casting vote, assuming that Stuart wow. has gone it's for city, city dwellers.
0: Choice. It is a tough, vote. pine not, leaves. It's not to a, a tough one,
1: ones, is it at all?
0: Into my heart. So I'm I'm going for pine leaves.
1: Hooray! Fantastic Life, Tempo House, Pine Leaves. We had a couple of tough ones uh, there tonight. Finally, so that was all fun and games, wasn't it? So next week, if all goes according to plan, we have uh, an interview with Pascal Legras. If I'm saying that correctly, the man responsible for much of the many of the falls covers during the 1990s. Um, join us for that, if you don't mind. The end. Okay. Right. See you later, chap. See ya. Right.
2: Take care my children